Welcome to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author, Christine Carlson. Chris shares don't sweat wisdom to help you achieve greater mental health, self-compassion, and better communication with family, friends, and coworkers. Listen in and learn simple ways to live your most vibrant life of joy. Hi, and welcome back to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. This is Christine Carlson. Before we begin with our interview today, our really, really, really juicy interview, let's go ahead and take a golden pause. So wherever you are, sit comfortably. And of course, if you're driving or doing an activity, just use this as a deep breathing exercise to get really present in your body, really engaged in your life. Otherwise, if you can, sit down, take a pause. Place your hands open on your lap and begin to breathe with me. Close your eyes and breathe in pure golden sunlight, the top of your head to the tips of your fingers and your toes. And as you exhale, just release, relax, and sink in and let go. Breathe in pure golden sunlight through every cell of your being and exhale, Release and let go of what doesn't serve you. And breathing in pure golden sunlight through your core, through your heart, through your mind, just allow yourself to exhale, release, and relax. And breathe in pure golden sunlight through your entire being. On the exhale, allow that golden sunlight to just wash you, fill you, and relieve you of any tension. Breathing in pure golden sunlight to the tips of your fingers and your toes. On the exhale, just let go of any tension you feel in your body. Breathing in pure golden sunlight through every cell of your being, place your hand on your heart, activating your heart, Opening your heart and spend a moment thinking of one thing you feel grateful for. And as you think of that one thing filling your entire being with pure golden gratitude, just exhale and let go of what doesn't serve you right now. And filling your entire being, every cell of your being with pure golden gratitude on the exhale, just allow yourself to feel that joy starting to really get in your body. Breathing in pure golden gratitude to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. On the exhale, allow that gratitude to wash over you like a cascading waterfall of pure joy. And breathing in pure golden gratitude to the tips of your fingers and your toes, the top of your head. On the exhale, allow it to wash over you again, like a cascading waterfall of pure joy. Taking one last deep breath in of pure golden gratitude. On the exhale, go ahead and open your eyes. Well, I am just so excited to have this wonderful guest speaker on today. Her name is Misty Tripoli. And Misty, welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you. Thanks, babe. So great to be here. (laughs) Always good to talk to you. 
It surely is. You know, Misty, I just remember we went on that trip. We were on a mastermind trip and it was kind of an invitation thing for leaders and nobody really knew. I mean, I went with Marcy Cole and um, a friend of mine and ours now, but I, nobody really knew each other, but we all were there and it was in going through Costa Rica. And I remember walking into the lobby of the hotel and you were seated there and I sat down and I remember you looked at me, you know, kind of sizing me up and you were like, are you going on this trip? And I was like, yeah, are you? And you're like, I am. And we started talking and you're like, I am so relieved that you're on this trip with me. <laughs> and I felt the same way. I looked at you and I was just like, oh, thank God. You know, like, this is going to be fun. And didn't we have so much fun? So much fun. And I think the best part was really getting to know you and Marcy. Like, I really think that's what that trip was for, is for us to connect. And it's just because I just fell in love with you from the moment I met you. And it's just been every time I see you, every conversation, it's just, it's yummy. And I, I love it. I do too. I do too. And I really, um, when I thought about doing this series, Juicy As You Are, honestly, everyone, I have never met a more juicy woman than this woman. Like, seriously, I've never seen a woman own her body more, be so self-confident, but just she just has this light that she radiates, but she isn't afraid to like really, you know, scream and shout either. Well, there's a line in your bio and I just want to say it. Misty says, hi, Misty. I'm a keep it real. Say it like it is. No holds bar warrior of truth. And I have found that to be incredibly refreshing about you over the years that I've known you. And I think everyone who meets you feels the same way. Tell me just, Talk about your story a little bit, because, you know, one of the things about Misty that you're going to learn in this interview is that she is the founder of the World Groove Movement. Um, and it's, it's just incredible what she does. But it was a journey getting there, wasn't it? Oh, yes. <laughs> On many levels. So talk about that journey. Where did, how did it start? Well, um, I'll try to keep this short and sweet, but... Um, it started with a struggle with my body. And this is kind of, I think, every woman's journey in our lives is really learning how to accept and love ourselves for who we are and what we are and the way that God made us. Um, and enjoy being in this, the meat soup temple that we get to flop around in for however many years and really enjoy it. So it started probably way back when I was 14. I became bulimic and because I hated my body and I didn't have any example of any woman in my life that loved her body. Every woman I knew was on a diet and they never said anything positive about their bodies or, you know, it was always just these negative comments and being young and unconscious, you're just inputting that information. And so that really obviously affected me, not knowing that it was affecting me, but, you know, I wasn't asking myself questions like, why didn't, why do I hate my body? Like, I just knew that I did and started bulimia. Um, now, keep in mind at the same time, I've always been a dancer. Like I've loved to dance. Like I just, my mom called me tippy toes because I was just dancing around the house the whole time. Um, never had any formal training, but I just loved dancing. So the same time as I developed bulimia, when I was like 16 or 17, I started teaching aerobics. And I started teaching aerobics, number one, I could dance and get paid for it in a form. But second of all, it was that I could exercise. So I became now obsessive about food and I became obsessive about exercise. And that lasted for 16 years. 
I was, I was throwing up two, three times a day. I almost, I literally almost killed myself. Like I've lost all my back teeth because of the decay. Like just, it was, it was horrific. And I really never thought I would ever be on the other side. Like I never thought I'd have a normal relationship with food. I never actually thought I'd get to a point where I liked my body. And a good way to like, you know, for most people is you can look at your photos back a couple of years ago when you thought you were fat. What I mean, you're looking at yourself and you're like, I look so good. Like, <laughs> how did I not have the eyes to see how freaking amazing I looked? And, you know, and I went through all of that. But there was a moment um, I was living in California and it was crazy because I was actually at the top of my game in the fitness industry. I was one of the top fitness instructors in Los Angeles and I was teaching at many facilities. I was running a couple of facilities. I was training instructors. And at the same time, like I had this dirty secret that I was bulimic and that I was so unhealthy. I was literally toxic. Like my, I had boils on my neck because I couldn't shit because, you know, my body just didn't know what to do. And so I, I would have to take laxatives to go to the bathroom. And so the toxicity just built up in my body. So I was sick. I was toxic, but nobody knew. Everyone thought that I had the answers because I was this fitness expert. And um, one day, it was very interesting. I had been through a, a bout of, I had taught all my classes that day. I was teaching like 20 classes. I was abusing my body. I was in so much pain. And on the way home from the gym, I, you know, I stopped and picked up all my food on the way home. And, you know, I'm gorging in my car on the way home. I go home. And what was crazy is I couldn't make myself throw up. So I would drink syrup of Epcat and you're a mother. Oh. So you probably know what that is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. If, if your baby's poisoned, you give them Epcat and it forces them to throw up. So I always had a huge stash of Epcat in my house and I would down a whole bottle of it. Oh, these, these little, no, it was awful because oh. I didn't, I wasn't satisfied until I threw up blood because then I knew oh. everything was gone. Oh boy. And this stuff will make you violently throw up. And I couldn't make myself throw up. That's why I would drink Epcot syrup because I couldn't do it myself. Um, and still to the day, the thought of it just makes my skin cringe. It's just, oh God, oh, yeah. the, oh, the smell of it, everything. But I drank this bottle, went to the bathroom, you know, violently vomiting. And I had food left over. So I ate the rest of the food and I did it again. And it was late at night. And after I vomited, I literally passed out on the bathroom floor. And I don't know how long I was there, but I woke up literally in a pool of blood and vomit up the walls and over the toilet and just, and I was laying there and just this deep voice inside of me was just like, is this as good as it gets? Is wow. this like, is this it for me? Like, am I ever going to be okay? Like, and then this, this, it just, this, it's like this deep inner intuitive wisdom, this wisdom that was like, Misty, you weren't born to hate yourself. You were like, you were born as a perfect little baby and something happened along the way, but you were not born to hate yourself. And things really started to shift from there. It was like this awakening and this voice inside of me kept telling me to sit down and pay attention. So that's when I started my meditation practice, but I didn't realize that's what I was doing. I was just listening to this voice and it was hard for me. I would sit and of course my mind would go crazy and all the things I had to do that day, but I would force myself just to sit and then pay attention to my mind. Like what's going on in my head? What are these thoughts I'm thinking? What is, and then it dawned on me, I was like, if I can watch my thoughts, then who's, what's watching my thoughts? Mm. And I was just like, bam, like that's who I actually am. I'm not my thoughts. 
those are things that are just running through my brain that's lying to me all day long. I'm actually the awareness behind the thoughts. And I was just like, it was just like life ex explosion. And um, from that point on, I started to question everything. I questioned my government, I questioned my religion, my parents, my everything. And I realized I'd been lied to since I was born and that none of it's true. And no one knows what the, no one knows what the fuck they're talking about. And I need to figure this out for myself. So I would sit with these really big questions in my meditation. Like, not who am I, but what am I? What oh. am I? Not who, not the who's, but the what. What am I? And just the, the, in the space of stillness, the, the wisdom that would come through me was powerful. And then this voice started to tell me, dance. Mm. And it's not like, you know, dance, because I've always danced. But when I danced, it was always for other people. And it was to choreograph and it was to prepare and it was always to get it right. And, but this voice was like, no, dance, dance from your soul. And so what I would do, and you know, I was confident with my dancing, but to dance freely and wildly, no, I wasn't like, I needed to look good. And cause I was always so worried about what other people thought about me. And, um, so I just started to go to a studio and well, it started in my living room and I closed all the blinds. And I put music on and I would just start to let my body do whatever the music wanted. And I felt stupid even by myself. I was like, someone must be watching me. I feel like an idiot. <laughs> and then I realized how insane that is. It's like, no one's watching you. And then while I was dancing, it was really powerful because I was, I was aligning or atoning with my creativity, which is God. Like I was atoning with the creative force of the universe and it was running through me and I was just surrendering to it and allowing it to move me. And in these moments of surrender and alignment and atonement, I literally would receive downloads of information. And one of those downloads was the World Groove Movement. And it literally came to me while I was dancing, this powerful vision of like me t teaching all around the world, millions of people dancing with me and me getting people together to be authentic and creative and celebrate who they were and embrace their bodies and have fun in their And I just saw this and it was so huge. I just was like, what? Whoa. Even the name, <laughs> even the name came, everything came. Wow. It was like a, like a here computer program inserted into your mind. This is, and my first, of course, my first reaction was fear. Cause I was like, how's that possible? There's just little old me here in Los Angeles. How's like, really, how's that going to happen? And this voice just said, trust, mm. you have been given this for a reason. If you follow it, it will take care of you for the rest of your life. And so I did. And I quit my job. I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. I claimed bankruptcy, but I trusted it so much, but I didn't know what I was going to do. And it was interesting because after I quit my job, I just went fully into this way of, while I was dancing, I started to figure out that there was like a, like something in the music that would pull me that I could, that my body would repeat almost like a mantra. Mm. And, but yet I could play with it and be creative with it, but it was still within this essence of this simple rhythm and movement. So I started introducing it to my classes. I quit my full-time job, but I kept teaching because I love to teach, but I lowered it down to five classes a week as opposed to 20. Cause I was like, I'm not going to abuse myself anymore. I stopped working out. I was like, no more. It's time for me to actually be nice to myself. And if something hurts me, I'm not doing it. I'm just not. Um, but when I started introducing this into my classes that my students were like, this is amazing. Like this feels so good. Like why haven't we been doing this the whole time? Like, because my, my philosophy is why follow another person? Like, that's not intelligent. Your body has its own wisdom. And so the things I was saying, the truth, and this is where this being a truth warrior, while I would be dancing and meditating, the truth would fit me so powerfully. 
And so my methodology came about and it was based off five simple truths that are, they're, they're the truth. You can't poke holes in them. It's just truth is truth. And the first one is that no one cares what you look like. That's so true. They and care they what do, they look like. They don't yeah, care what they, you they, look like. People are so obsessed with ourselves that we're really, no one's paying attention. They're all on their phones. No. Yeah. Know? And if they do care, it really is their problem. Like it's their own issue within their own mind. They have to deal with their judgments or whatever they have of you. It's none of your business. Like, why would I let that stop me from living my fullest joy and expressing myself completely? If someone has a problem with it, that's their problem. It's not mine, you know? So that was the first one. The second uh, truth was that I'm unique. I should absolutely be different. Like I'm a unique human being. I'm not like anyone else. And so I should follow my own path and do it my way. And the third one ties into that, that if you do it your own way, you can't get it wrong. Mm. Like when you follow your gut and you follow your truth, you cannot fail. You cannot get it wrong. That's the third one. And so that, that ties into, there is no right or wrong way to dance. Just your way, just your way. There's no right or wrong. The fourth truth is that no one's going to do it for you. No one, no one's coming to rescue you. No one's coming to save you. No one's going to make you healthy. No one's going to make you happy. You, that's your job. And I had been waiting my whole life for the knight in shining armor to come and rescue me from all my problems and save me from myself kind of a thing. And then the last one is those four things are just really good ideas until you put them into practice. You don't understand anything until you apply it. And so those five truths are the foundation of my method. And it was crazy because within a short period of time, Nike contacted me and said, hey, we heard about you and this cool thing that you're teaching. We'd like to sponsor you as one of our elite athletes. And from, it was like floodgates open, stage was set. God took me straight there. They took me, they flew me around the world and put me on stages in front of thousands of people. This vision I had, was, I had saw was coming true. It was better than what I could have even imagined. And at the same time, the people in, the, in my classes would come up to me afterwards and be like, we have to know how to teach this. You have to teach us how to do this. This makes more sense than anything we've been doing. You have to teach us how to do this. So I started to develop a training program. And from there, it grew. And now we're in 55 countries. And I've got hundreds of facilitators all around the world that teach this method. Um, and then we created an app so you can dance with me online and stuff, but it was the truth. And this is why I'm a truth warrior, because the truth will set you free if you apply the truth, because we all know the truth, but it doesn't matter until you apply it and you actually go, okay, I'm going to live like, I don't care what anyone thinks about me. And I just set myself free. That's so true. I mean, honestly, I mean, I don't mean to say that's so true, but <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's so true. It is so true. But something that's really interesting that I want your listeners to know is that what was interesting is when I started dancing for me and I started to stop caring and I just would make myself feel good every day in my body through movement and music, bulimia just left me. Within two weeks, I stopped throwing up and it was like, it, like, it just literally disappeared after 16 years, three times a day, like gone, just gone. And it was because I was flexing that muscle of self-respect and self-care and that I mattered and I didn't want to hurt myself anymore. And so those things that were hurting me just disappeared. I didn't have a desire for them anymore. It was really fascinating. It is. I also think um, something else happened too, and that is that you suddenly attuned to your spirit and you were probably, uh, you had probably broken away from your spirit all those years that you were struggling with bulimia. And then suddenly that inner voice 
which is our soul speaking to us, that inner voice of wisdom and truth just was able to shine through in a very dark, horrible moment, a really kind of like your bottom. And, um, and I, th I think, you know, I had kind of a similar experience when I was um, at my step out of bulimia and my eating disorder was a little bit more gradual than that. But when I was about 90% um, cured, I still, I still used it as a coping mechanism for occasionally, but I didn't, I really didn't, I was thinking about having a baby and I really just wanted to be free, completely free of eating disorder with, because I didn't want my child to ever have to deal with that and not have that energy from me, um, you know, in my pregnancy. And so I remember I, I had a similar experience and mine was with um, a meditation I did where I was literally shown that I had a choice. I was literally shown that I had the power of choice, that this isn't something that comes over you and takes you over, but you can actually reclaim your own power by just simply understanding that you can choose this or you can choose that. And, and it's that simple. And, and that when you do choose the other, if you do, you don't have to beat yourself up for it. You just have to own the choice. And then suddenly you find yourself, or I found myself never choosing that and always choosing what was right for me. One of the things I love about you is something you told me on that trip. And that was that for a long time, you had a self-love practice a ritual. Do you remember? Yeah. A ritual that you would do. And, and I love this so much for women, because I think one of the things that happens to us is, you know, our bodies change through all different means throughout our lives. And, and I, like you, I look back on pictures of myself and I think, oh my God, how could I have ever thought I was heavy or fat? And of course, pregnancy really taught me a lot about my body too, because I did the same thing in pregnancy. I was like, Oh my gosh, I have this huge belly. <laughs> I had this little tiny waist. How could I have ever thought I was fat? You know, and so we get these, we get these perspective adjustments, um, you know, as we age and we're looking back. But I love that self-love ritual because it teaches so much about how to really love on ourselves and how important it is for you to be attuned to your own body and how much more your body gives you when you do that. And not only does the dance that you teach do that, I've had that experience grooving with you that it brings you right into your body and in a different way. And, and movement is just so healing. It's just, and music. And then there's the tribal element of doing it with the groove group too, which is so powerful, but I want to hear about that self-love practice because it's so it's so juicy, everyone. It's so juicy. Well, <laughs> it's so it's juicy. interesting because it didn't come from the beginning. The beginning came where I just was learning to be kind to myself because I didn't know how to love myself. So I would start with an easier every day. I would wake up and be like, what do I need to do today to be nice to myself? What do I need to do to be kind to myself? And that was the first part. But what was interesting is I had, you know, going through this journey, I had met someone. It's the reason why I live in Mexico is I moved here because I met the love of my life. And I fell deeply, madly, hardly, like fell for this guy. And he was just the most beautiful soul. And I still love him to this day, but I was still, I was traveling all around the world and I wasn't around all the time. And he was so lovely trying to tell me like, I need you here. And, you know, 
you know, things like, you know, me being attracted to other women doesn't mean I don't love you, but you're not here all the time. And it ended up that, you know, he ended up cheating on me and broke my heart, destroyed me. But I realized this love I had for him, I started to put his priorities above mine and his needs above mine because I just loved him so much. I just wanted to just take and care of him. Don't we do that as women so naturally? Of course. We're just so nurturing. It's exactly. But I don't have children. So all of that, all of that went on to him. And so when he left, when we, when we broke up, it hit me so hard that I made a deep commitment to myself that I was like, I will not enter another relationship until I've learned to love myself as much as I loved him and treat myself the way I treated him. And so I devoted myself to be single and I wanted it. I needed time alone just to be with me. And I took that time. It, it lasted probably a good three years until I met someone else, but I, I married myself. I had a ceremony. I made my vows to myself that I promised to be true to myself and be by my side and that I could like wrote my own vows to put a ring on my finger. And then I devoted my life to joy and pleasure. And every day, what are the things that are going to give me the most pleasure? And so I, I literally revolved my, I got my work done, but everything outside of that was revolving around my pleasure, going to the beach and dancing, sitting in the sun, going for walks, buying myself flowers, writing myself love notes. Courting yourself. Um, <laughs> absolutely. And that's the way we need to think about it. Like love yourself the way you want someone else to love you. And then you'll be amazed at what shows up in your life. When you actually show yourself that you're worthy of your own love, your own time, your own attention and your own pleasure. And that was a big step for me too, because I had never known really what pleasure was. I'd never really given myself permission to have a pleasure like that we're a sensorized meat suit. We're built for pleasure. Like literally every sense of our body is built for pleasure and to help us survive. But there's so much pleasure that comes from the senses. So I just decided, well, I'm going to pleasure the shit out of myself <laughs> on every level I possibly can from what I eat to what I listen to, to the smells in my house, what I look at. That's why I filled my apartment with flowers. I would go to the farmer's market and buy big, bunches of flowers and I would spend all day making beautiful flower arrangements for each one of my rooms because anytime I saw them it just made me light up it just brought joy to my life to see the colors and and it would make me in awe of God when I would see these flowers and be like these like how can something be so beautiful it's just like and then it makes me reflect that if God made that flower and made me like like it just made me look at things differently and I realized how beautiful I was and learning to appreciate myself but it was devoting my life to my joy, my happiness, and my pleasure. And that was another whole awakening in my life. But marrying myself was a huge, huge step. And, and, and I, I, even if you're married to someone else right now, do a little private ceremony for yourself and marry yourself. And if you're not being loved the way you want to be loved, love yourself the way you want to be loved. Like you have to take responsibility for that. You can't expect it from anyone. Yeah, it's not something anybody can fulfill within you. You you have yeah. to be able to do that. I was just recently told by an astrologer that um, that that's what I've been up to all these years. People like the number one question that people Google about me on Google search is, "Has Christine Carlson remarried?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, I've married myself. <laughs> totally yep. married myself." And of course, I've had many you know wonderful lovers along the way and and boyfriends and relationships and 
companionship, but it's, it's a different, it's a different game when you do take that responsibility and you really do learn how to give yourself all that you need. I believe that's the true definition of what it means to be a sovereign woman, whether you're married or unmarried. It, it just, it's all about your wholeness. And let's just talk for a moment about what that did for your sex life when you finally took on another partner, because I'll bet that you knew your body and I'll bet you could really communicate differently about your body and you felt differently in your body once you took on another partner. Yeah, no, that was, that was huge. And it made me reach a whole other level of creativity and power, which was interesting because around the, the ending the three years, I had been doing everything for pleasure except pleasuring myself sexually. And I'd always been, I'd always had it like a, I don't know, I just felt stupid. It was weird. It was like, I was uncomfortable with it and stupid. I knew how to have an orgasm really fast with a vibrator and bada bing, bada bang. But there was no like intimacy with myself. It was just have an orgasm done. And this voice that had been speaking to me to guide me kept telling me like, you want someone to pleasure you, you need to learn to pleasure yourself. So you need to learn to start to touch yourself the way that you want someone else. So you know what you like, you know what you want, you know what turns you on. And so it took me a while because again, I felt I kept putting it off because I felt yeah, I was just, you I just felt kept stupid. putting it off. Yeah. And then finally it just was like I had to do it. So I was like, screw it. All right, I'm in. I'm gonna do this. I got a bottle of wine, lit some candles, went to the sex store, bought a bunch of sex things, got my coconut oil, just everything, put on my great music, and and of course I felt stupid when I started, but I just closed my eyes and I breathe. And I just, what I did was what, like, as if my hands were someone else's, mm -hmm. right? And so like, just what my body feels like, what my skin texture feels like, and just the pleasure I would receive just from my own touch. I was just like, wow. And then it became an obsession. Then literally I couldn't leave at night. I couldn't wait to get home <laughs> to, to have my <laughs> masturbation session. So for a good, like, I would say three to six months, I was a self-pleasuring whore and I love it. <laughs> I mean, I just, anything I could find, fruit, vegetables, like I was, I was just like, how much pleasure can I actually give myself? And I was, I literally, it was like an obsession. And then the voice said, now it's time to do it with somebody else. And I was uh, like, what? <laughs> I get to try this, but I was, it was so weird because, and I know most women are like this. I was so afraid to ask for what I wanted and tell someone how to touch me and guide me. I'd always just, you, you, you take what you're given kind of thing. Like, I, know, okay, well, that's know, I always am so surprised that men don't even ask that question. I've only been asked that question maybe by my husband and maybe one other man that I've ever been with. Like, well, how do you like it? Like, what do you like? And then you're like, oh my God, thank you so much for opening that door and saying, yeah. asking me, what do I like? And then what do you know? Orgasm is so easy because they actually you get what you want. Exactly. <laughs> it's like not a yeah. lot of work, you know? I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, and, that, and that's what changed the game. It was like literally a couple nights later, I met this guy salsa dancing and it turned into a one year, like he worshiped me, anything I wanted. I was, and I felt so brave and so powerful. And so like, this is my body. You have the pleasure of pleasuring me. Like, and the pleasure he would get from just making me go crazy. It was just like being able to apply everything I'd learned and practiced and prove to myself and then have the bravery to, to ask someone else to give me that and to do that for me. And 
it just, and, and my creativity went through the roof, like the inspirations I would get because I was connected to the, you know, my sexual energy, which is this, it's such a powerful energy. And many of us as women don't really dive deep into the sexual energy and let that be a, a healing and powerful source for our lives. That is so true. I mean, it, 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 it's just such a creative, you know, especially penetration too. Like penetration is just it, the, the melding of the masculine and the feminine through penetration is just such a powerful energy. Um, I've always felt that too. When I'm, when I'm having a regular sex life, my creativity is always going through the roof and, and it's, it's because of the energy that it creates and, and sparks within you. And of course the pleasure is nice too. <laughs> yes. The pleasure piece is very nice. So tell me, um, how has, have you, and now have you gone through menopause yet? No, no, you I'm still 51. Yeah, I'm 51 and I still have every 28 days on the money. Oh my God. That's great. I, I remember yeah. I, I was 51 when I went through menopause and about 53 when I was finished with it. Um, but that's great, Misty. That's awesome. In fact, like, my gynecologist yeah. told me, Misty, you actually have the hormone profile of a 35 year old. Isn't that great? Yeah. And she goes, you still need to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. She's, you could get pregnant. Yeah. Cause she even told me, she's like, she had her first child at 50 and it was an accident. Oh my God. That's so crazy. she's like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a testament to, to <laughs> let you know that you can still get pregnant. So Oh, I think a You're little mini. Woods, I think baby. a little mini Misty would be amazing. So if that happened, I think it would be d divine destiny. <laughs> I think it would be too. <laughs> well, tell me. I want to talk before we end. I also want to have you share, like, how do you start your day? Because I know you have really wonderful coffee that you like to drink, and I think that this is where the juice starts. <laughs> it's, it truly is. It's like the way you start your day. For yourself and i know it's different when you have children it's harder because you've got you know you've got responsibilities and things i've got the pleasure of not having that as far as my free time like i have my mornings completely open and so the first thing i do yeah is i get up and i must make the most decadent coffee and i'm a coffee snob so i make sure it's you know fresh roasted organic i fresh grind it um you know i a lot of times make my own organic coconut milk and you know honey and collagen and i just make this yummy frothy delicious decadent thing and then i just sit down with myself for a while and enjoy my coffee and do nothing and sometimes it's meditation sometimes it's journaling sometimes it's just nothing it's just sitting and enjoying my coffee or going to my roof and sitting and letting the sun touch my face and you know just having time for me and i've made a commitment that i don't do anything before 10 a.m i just don't like I'm leading a training right now and they're freaking out because I'm like training starts at noon people noon. <laughs> I need my mornings because I can't I like you know I just have to take care of me before I can show up for other people and and having my space in the mornings to just get centered you know what kind of day do I want to have what do I who do I want to be today what is you know and it just starts with that so it's like all these little steps all day long and then I always make sure at the end of the day it's one it's some type of movement whether i'm laying on the ground on my floor just kind of stretching and moving doesn't have to be anything major or i take my ipod and i go to the beach this powder in the caribbean this powder white soft sand and yeah there's people everywhere but i don't care i put my ipod on and i just fly 
I dance and I go to heaven. And that's one of my, that's one of my strongest self-care practices is going to the beach with my music and just connecting with nature, connecting with myself. And it's funny because there's a couple of days that go by that I don't do it. I can feel how that affects me. Like I can feel negativity start to brew. I can feel myself getting a little more um, impatient. I can feel myself, you know, it's like, oh, time to go dancing. Like you're turning into a little bit of a bitch today, Misty. It's time to get to the dance floor. Oh, Misty. Oh, I just love you so much. Um, this has just been an amazing conversation for our listeners. And you can find out more about Misty at where, which, where's, where's your website? Um, well, there's a couple. There's if you want to learn about the dance and you want to try it out, and because I've got lots of videos and you can do it at home. Um, you can actually just go to YouTube and type in body group. And there's a lot of free videos just to get a sample of how I lead you through dance. So I can help you if you're afraid to dance or you feel uncoordinated or you don't feel like you have rhythm or you're like, I, I feel stupid. Trust me, I can help you. <laughs> That's my expertise. And I can give you permission to do it really fast. So you can get some free videos there, but my program is called body group. And um, that's the app, but then where my events are, like my retreats and my education and our community events and the live classes is getgrooved.com. And do you still have your monthly membership as well? Yeah. Yeah, so you can actually join um, her groove, her body groove and, and get on and she does live stream classes and also you know, I'm sure there's video libraries and do a monthly membership and, you know, make it a part of your movement um, experience. I did it during COVID. Um, I joined during COVID and it was amazing. And, you know, I, I also learned that it's just so much fun to work out at home and dance is just such a huge, ever since I met Misty, actually, I've just incorporated dance into my movement practice. And you are such an inspiration, my dear. Oh my God, I love you so much. I know my listeners, our listeners today have just loved everything that you've said and shared. So I just want to thank you with my whole heart for all that you give. And, you know, and it's just, it's a blessed life you've created for yourself, but the impact that you're having on others is just beautiful. Thank, thank you. you. And you too. I love you. Thank you for sharing and letting me share with your, your listeners. And it's just always a treat to talk to you. Oh, thank you so much. All right, everyone. Come back and uh, hear some more about how to be juicy as you are on the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. This is Christine Carlson. And be sure and share this with your family and friends and get grooving and moving with Misty. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author Christine Carlson. You're invited to join Christine at one of her upcoming retreats in California, including her popular What Now Women's Retreat at Sea Ranch and her new Revive and Thrive Mental Health and Wellness Retreat at Mount Shasta. Get all of the retreat details today at christinecarlson.com.